Hello, I'm Dylan. I'm Keon, and this is Zenith, that podcast where we watch Blake Seven because this week we watched The Way Back, written by Terry Nation, directed by Michael E. Bryant, aired on, aired on January second, nineteen seventy-eight. Forty years ago today. Well, today when this goes out, but not today when we're recording it. It's about forty years to the day <laughs> when we're recording it. It's approximately forty years if you like round. If you just round off the edges. Uh, but yeah, Blake 7. Yeah, we're finally... Finally doing it. It's been requested by like three people for like a couple months. <laughs> four, yeah. actually, I think. It was, I think it was actually four. Yeah, something like that. I don't, I don't know. People were like, hey, if you like 70s Doctor Who, you should watch Blake 7 because it's like 70s Doctor Who, but not, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> So we're doing it. That's, yeah, for some that's, reason we said yes. It's basically the only reason why we're doing it. I, I guess also to entertain ourselves. But uh, Yeah, I guess. This is the first time we've recorded like episode one of a podcast in like two years. Because yeah. the last episode one we did was Triple Play, and that was 2016. 2015. 2015, you're right. But I guess we, we put out an episode zero explaining what this episode is. Um, so if you want more detail, listen to that. But I think we can just sort of briefly touch on what this is. Uh, we're watching Blake 7, in order. From the beginning to the end, we're definitely going to cover all of the TV episodes. There's 52 of them, 13 per episodes per season. Four <clears throat> seasons. And at the end of that, we may or may not do the 40th anniversary audio, but for sure we're going to cover the TV episodes. That'll take about a year. And the format of the show is going to be pretty similar to Trust Your Doctor, which means if you're here for like heavy, critical, college-level dissertations on the philosophy of Blake Seven, you've come to the wrong place. <laughs> Tune out now. Delete the episode now. We typically do like surface-level analysis and... And just point out stuff that was interesting about the episode. Yeah, we try to make episodes that I think are predominantly fun to listen to while also providing at least mild educational content <laughs> is kind of our goal here. So it's going to be a lot of explaining the plot of the episode and stopping whenever we find we come to something that we thought was good or bad or funny or just weird. We'll do the uh, we'll do some uh, making of stuff too, you know, sort of going to be jacks of all trades here. So uh, if you're looking for anything actually good, you know, no, this is the plan. No, no. <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none, but better than a master of one. <laughs> Got to get that full quote in there to make ourselves feel better. <laughs> that full quote that was definitely just made up to make people feel better. Well, so the original quote, okay, this is kind of a tangent, but the oh, original God. quote was jack of all trades. And then some snide person was like, but master of none. <laughs> but then some other person wanted to get the original meaning back. So they added the, but better than a master of one at the end. So now you God. know. But yeah, so Blake Seven has a more interesting way of being created than this podcast. This podcast was just, we should do Blake 7. So we did. <laughs> but the actual show was like, Terry Nation was like, hey, we should do Blake 7. And they were like, what's Blake 7? And he was like, <laughs> it's this thing I just came up with like right now. <laughs> Terry Nation basically wanted to prove that he could write something that's actually not garbage. So no, that's not true. He was a pretty decent writer on Doctor Who. I mean, he was pretty decent until like the eighties, where he was like dragging out the say, dragging Davros out of the closet every single serial because he didn't have any other ideas left. Dragging Davros's decomposing body out of the closet. Just let him die, Terry. 
yeah, but basically the BBC was like, hey, Terry, you got any ideas for like a new show we could make? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I've got this one that's like kind of like Star Trek, but not really. It's like not Star Trek. And if you've never noticed, the Blake 7 logo is like if you take the Starfleet logo from Star Trek and rotate it 90 degrees, you get the Blake 7 Federation logo. Yeah. Yeah. Which is apparently entirely intentional. I've never even watched Star Trek and I still noticed that. So, yeah, Blake 7 was supposed to be Terry Nation's... Magnum Opus. (laughs) Like, darker, more cynical more british version of star trek i guess i read a review of blake seven that was like if you need to know anything about the americans and the british you just need to know that the americans had star trek and the british had blake seven and yeah he basically agreed apparently according to himself out of ego (laughs) to write all 13 (laughs) episodes in the first season but uh apparently had a tough time with it yeah, apparently he got like a couple weeks in and he like immediately ran out of ideas and started <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel. Oh god, what have I done? <laughs> he told Chris Boucher, who was script editor, that he either gets Another familiar name there. Yeah, he either gets next week's episode or he gets rewrites on this week's episode, and that's he's Chris Boucher's gonna have to choose, so Boucher's like, Alright, I'll just take first drafts and I'll rewrite everything. Yeah, you know, that's actually surprising because I've watched six episodes so far, the first six episodes, and uh, I'd say they, they get better. You know, episode one is pretty much the weakest, in my opinion. You know, they, they, they just get better. Yeah, that's interesting. There may be something to that. Maybe the first couple episodes were things Terry Nation had in his mind for like a long time. Maybe it was just classic Terry Nation, you know, not just being sort of a mediocre writer. Yeah, maybe the first couple episodes didn't have Chris Boucher cleaning up the dialogue as <laughs> yeah. much or, like, trying to make it a little snappier. There's apparently later in this season, we'll mention it, a couple episodes that are substantially rewritten and one that gets entirely scrapped and replaced by an entirely new script. But we're not there yet. We're still at episode one. <laughs> so, episode one begins... With this Gareth guy. Thomas walking through a hall, he looks drugged. He 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 basically is drugged, but he hasn't been eating the food or drinking the water, so he's not as drugged as he could possibly be. Yeah, this is our main character, Raj Blake. His first name yeah. is spelt R O J. Yeah, and he meets up with this girl and this guy because they've told him that they can get him information on his family, and he's in like. It's not like explicitly like a prison, but it's, it's like a. He, they're they're on Earth. I actually didn't realize that this was Earth until I uh, rewatched the episode. But mm-hmm. uh, they're on Earth. They're in some sort of compound or city, um, and no one's allowed to leave. So it's prison like. Yeah, it's not explicitly a prison, but they're just <laughs> you're just trapped there though. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't leave, you know. <laughs> And yeah, but the lady's like trying to convince Blake that it's basically a prison. He's like, no, no, I mean, this is like a city. They provide for us. They give us food. They're like, yeah, they do that in a prison too. So, but they like go and they like cut a hole. Or they like open up this doorway and yeah, Blake's go, like, hey, this is illegal. They go to sort of an underground area. And, and uh, I mean, I guess the doorway is, is just accessible to anyone. But they can't open it. Mm-hmm. But, but but these people do. They uh yeah, the guy Blake like, is like hacks hey, into wait it. a minute. Isn't this not something we're supposed to be doing? And they're like, do you want information on your family? And he's like, uh, yes. <laughs> Some guards come in the most low key way possible. They sort of just walk over and and Blake and the other two people don't really they're like, oh, there's there's some guards coming. We should hurry up. They kind of just walk out. There's also the guy who's like spying on them kind of badly. <laughs> 
He like just comes down the yeah. stairs and sees them doing the thing and just kind of stands there and watches and they like just don't turn around and see him at all. We should mention the Dudley Simpson soundtrack playing through all of this uh, better than anything he ever made for Doctor Who. Um, the the title sequence, the title theme is pr- probably Dudley Simpson's best track. Yeah, uh, ever I, would, I would just say it is his best track just definitively <laughs> just right probably now. Probably because it's the only memorable track he's ever made. <laughs> <laughs> but but the actual the the music in this in in the episode itself is actually it's it's pretty pretty good more uh better I'd say than than anything on Doctor Who. Yeah. Well the classic show at least. Yeah, maybe he actually puts more effort into this or maybe he actually had more time to write this and he wasn't working on like a one week <laughs> schedule to make every episode. Be like Doctor Who, where they they filmed like an entire serial in two weeks and then released it the week after because <laughs> because they were just madmen. <laughs> yeah, so they 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 leave the uh, the city, and it's it's night outside, probably to hide the the probably crappy sets. Um, but they're in sort of a, a forest, not or like a, a a area with some brush in it, mm-hmm. and uh, they they get to a pond or something, and they have to swim across. Yeah, I, I thought it was like a, a river that they had to swim across, but it, it might yeah, have just been like a probably pond a river, <laughs> yeah, or some body of water, <laughs> an ocean. <laughs> but yeah, they have to swim across. We forgot to mention that the reason why Blake hasn't been eating the food or drinking the water is because the lady told him not to eat it or drink it because they like lace it with some sedative, sedative or some sort that makes them like more complacent. Blake was like, that's not true. She's like, you feel more aware now, do, don't you? And he's like, uh, yeah, but that's probably not related to the food. You know, it's probably just a coincidence. Yeah, correlation doesn't imply causation. So, yeah. And yeah. They make it to another sort of compound, I guess. <laughs> that kind of looks like a parking garage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the sets in this were... were uh, very underwhelming. Um, surprised because in some of the later episodes, the sets actually do get kind of cool. They've got so, like a seventies Doctor Who charm to them, though. Yeah, they do. You know, one thing uh, I I honestly kind of miss this vibe. You know, now that we're on the reboot of Doctor Who, you know, the the two thousand five series. You know, none none of the sets in this are actually like good. But you know, I kind of I kind of uh, I missed the uh, the, the ingenuity. Vibe. Yeah, I don't. Know, maybe not even <clears throat> that. But uh, well, I just feel like they're they're doing a lot of at least vaguely interesting stuff with a pretty low budget and it like sort of works sometimes <laughs> and there's like some ingenuity on display we talked about this on the episode of triple play that goes out tomorrow actually like triple play is our other podcast where we discuss movie trilogies it's monthly yeah also check that out but like we talked about this on the episode that goes is out depressingly low, <laughs> tomorrow so check it out please <laughs> like sometimes a lower budget can lead to more interesting things because you're kind of forced to work within the constraints of the budget so you have to make a lot more difficult choices and you have to make a lot of choices that are that you have to make a lot of hard choices because you actually have to decide what you're going to put on screen since you only have the budget to do like three sets and you have to decide what are the three most important sets in the story and can we get away with shifting some of the other scenes to those sets and can we get away with just filming in a parking garage (laughs) yes apparently the answer to that was yes yeah, for now. Um, so Blake goes, and it turns out there's like a whole bunch of people there having some sort of like resistance they're, meeting. They're trying to form a resistance movement, and we find out why this resistance movement is newly formed, uh, basically in a few minutes. And uh, another thing I missed from a uh, classic Doctor Who was the horrible American accents, because now we run into uh, the leader of the group. <laughs> 
yeah, he's uh, he he's a person <laughs> with an accent. But maybe, I mean, this is set in the future, so, like, maybe the accent has drifted over time. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just I guess trying that's to a good ju- justification. <laughs> I'm just trying to justify his, like, questionable <laughs> attempt at an American accent. He's pretty cool, I guess. He, uh, they, they bring the group together, and he, uh, he starts talking. He I really mentioned- missed this from Doctor Who, too. Just the one guy who explains all the backstory of one main character in, like, one paragraph. Yeah, this is kind of the, he kind of uh, info dumps here. So the Federation is, is bad. Yeah, they don't explain why <laughs> it's bad. Although later in this episode, you get kind of a taste of why they're <laughs> bad when they like wipe Blake's mind. <laughs> um, they've been taking control of planets and the resistance movement. Well, uh, at least this guy who's apparently in charge decides that they need to liberate like one planet within the next two years. So really setting these really setting realistic goals here, you know, nothing like we need to move now to liberate Earth in the next two days. You know, they're just taking it one step at a time, taking it slow. You know, there's only about twenty members here. And uh, they really can't do much yet, so uh good on them. It's a really well planned rebellion. <laughs> or at least you think so until the guards show up and gun them all down and immediately end the rebellion. But we're not there quite yet because then the guy explains that the reason why they wanted Blake there because he was actually a resistance leader before he got mind wiped. Yeah, apparently in the past they like wiped Blake's mind and then they like caused him to confess to something he didn't actually do and then they like just put him in the city. They, they, like, they turned him into a figurehead yeah. for resistance movement members turning a new leaf supposedly and yeah. and yeah. And then the guy also reveals that his family's been dead for two years since they brought him in. <laughs> How does he know that? <laughs> I guess he, I guess this guy was part of the old uh, resistance movement. Yeah, this guy knew Blake before he had his mind wiped. Yeah. So he he would have, I guess, known Blake's family and would have known when they got killed when they brought Blake in. And Blake's like, but I've been receiving messages from them. And the guy's like, the Federation is like this massive entity that has like millions of millions of of credits you really don't think they can fake a simple like message to you from your family and he's like i mean maybe but like that doesn't mean they did <laughs> I, yeah i guess it doesn't really mean that they did but blake is like yeah this is a load of garbage i'm just gonna leave so uh and uh, i guess that line of thinking is what saves him in the end yeah because the guards show up and just gun everybody down in this massive massacre <laughs> yeah so except for one guy who who's revealed to yeah, be like he, a mole yeah he's the one who 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 tipped them off. We, this guy interacted with Blake for like half a second before Blake goes off. So <clears throat> another thing I missed from classic doctor who is, uh, you know, the terrible hiding places. Cause when Blake goes off, he just sort of hides in a corner and the guards walk by and they, I feel like they would have seen him, but you know, maybe not. He's like in a dark corner of the parking garage. Like if I can't see you, you can't see me. <laughs> I mean, that's usually true. Usually, but not always. (laughs) No, not always. But uh, Blake's got plot armor right now because the show's kind of named after him. (laughs) So at least for now, he's safe. So all these people die except the mole. (laughs) They take Blake in again. I'm not misremembering that the mole was the guy who like spied on them in the city, right? And then like followed them out. I don't remember, honestly. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I watched the episode about a week ago, so I, I don't remember. Okay. I was... I'm pretty sure it's the same guy, but I just can't remember his face right now. It was the blonde guy. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But yeah, so Blake... They, he gets taken in again. Yeah, he gets captured. They do... Yeah, so they do eventually find him, but... 
<laughs> they don't kill him like they killed everybody else. No, there's there's a sort of a weird and trippy scene where uh, you see Bla- uh, Blake's face like imposed on the screen, and he's screaming, and there's all these images of him supposedly, I guess, getting tortured and drugged. Yeah, so the first time I watched this, I was confused about this because I thought that this was like a flashback to when he had his mind erased the first time because it wasn't really clear that like time was moving forward and he was having his mind erased again. <laughs> well, it's not really erased because he still remembers. Yeah, it's, they don't erase just, it this time. I think they just sort of drug and torture him. But, like, yeah, the first time I watched it, I was, like, super confused because I, I thought it was, like, a flashback. But then, like, they mentioned the massacre in the parking garage. And I was like, wait, so is this not a flashback then? No, no, it's it's not. But, yeah, yeah, it's it's not. I'm just explaining how I, the, the show, like, did a really poor job of indicating <laughs> no, that it wasn't a flashback. Gotta add some confusion to, to episode one to keep you engaged and interested. Yeah, because if I'm confused in episode one, I'm really gonna watch episodes two through 52. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I uh... I would actually no, not even kidding. Yeah, I I, uh, I like being confused by things. Okay, it makes me watch more, or makes me uh, more interested. But anyway, Blake wakes up in a cell. He's like, "Oh God, not again!" <laughs> I think actually his memory comes back in this scene, or he starts. He starts. Yeah, pieces of it. He starts to remember his past as a resistance movement leader. But yeah, his his. Lawyer, I guess. Yeah, I think this. I think this was his lawyer, his defendant. Comes in is like, so I think we should try and make a deal. And he's like, I'm not pleading guilty to anything. I, I, I actually he says I'm gonna plead guilty because you know whatever I I did it. And they're like, you're gonna plead guilty to like diddling children. And he's like, wait, what? That's not what I'm pleading guilty to. And the guy's like, that's what the state's like putting you up on. And he's like, wait, what? What? <laughs> I forgot about that part. <laughs> and um yeah if i remember correctly i think blake then is like yeah i, I guess i won't plead guilty then and, yeah, and the lawyer's <laughs> like yeah that's probably a good choice <laughs> and blake's like i really didn't do it you know and the guy's like i've seen the evidence like and you know they've got like testimony from the kids and like they've got them like under lie detectors and they don't lie so you know <laughs> you probably didn't he's like but i didn't do it the guy's like yeah i'm gonna defend you but uh you probably did it <laughs> Yeah, like, isn't a lawyer supposed to... <laughs> Corrupt. <laughs> isn't a lawyer supposed to defend you without I mean, knowing whether I, you did it or not? I like, mean, when if they find I, out I, that you actually did it, aren't they, like, supposed to recuse themselves I from mean, the case? Yeah, ideally, they're supposed to actually believe the person they're defending. But, uh, you know, whether they actually do or not is another story. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not a lawyer, but I feel like if you believe your client is guilty, maybe you should just, like... Pretty sure all those corporate lawyers don't actually believe what they're, what they're defending, but uh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, they take him. They take him into court after a while, and it's it's obviously just a mock court, um, almost like stones of blood or, or something yeah, like it's, that. Yeah, it's obviously I'll, to I'll, set up Blake for the fall. I'll uh, I'll try and stop mentioning Doctor Who so much, but uh, yeah. I mean, it's difficult because like a lot of the people who worked on Doctor Who came over and worked on Blake Seven, like Chris Boucher, who wrote scripts for Doctor Who, and like Terry, Terry Nation, Nation, who created Blake Seven, who created the Daleks, and a lot of other names are going to pop up later. Brian Blessed shows up. Robert Holmes shows up later. Yeah, Brian Blessed, that cl- <laughs> that classic guy who's always associated with Doctor Who for playing that one role, yeah. and I don't even remember what. <laughs> he plays King Yakarnos. Oh yeah. 
Robert Holmes shows up later to write some stories. So, I mean, a lot of people who worked yeah, on, on, on this show worked on Doctor Who prior. Yeah. Kind of just reinforces that the UK has like 10 people who work on things and they just work on everything. But anyway. Yeah, so it's kind of like a... The trial room is like a white room. The whole, it's, the it's whole like ship the is basically, you know, white themed. As in like white color themed. <clears throat> And not I like white person white as well <laughs> so they're like this trial is like obviously a sham yeah yeah totally even okay even if it wasn't i guess blake's trial it seems like the way trials are done in this universe a kind of a sham too because they just like put the evidence into a computer and the computer like beeps <laughs> for five minutes and then just spits out a verdict it seems really easy to rig if you're the judge that slash cla- the government a classic 70s technophobia <laughs> <laughs> and unsurprisingly after beeping they're just like blake you're guilty and he's like hmm and he sees the mole like in the corner of the courtroom Kind of don't know why the mole decided to show his face in the courtroom. <laughs> Just to be smug about it. I think Blake actually tries to break free and they sort of tase him or something. Yeah, he's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Yeah, Gareth Thomas is, he's kind of overacting in this episode. I think it it, uh, it sort of evens out and uh, his performance is a lot better in the later episodes because you get the actual better actors. But here he's one of the only good actors in the episode, I think. So it really feels like he's overacting while everyone else is sort of just standing there. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like the old guy earlier on did like a pretty good job before he got gunned down in the parking garage. Yeah, he was he was pretty good. Um, <clears throat> yeah, everyone else just felt kind of low en- energy, which sort of yeah, especially made the Blake's lawyer performance stand which out. Was like the fact that the lawyer was low energy is kind of a problem because he's kind of the main character for the next half an hour of this episode. Yeah, that in itself is also kind of a problem to me, but. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Blake gets thrown in a cell and he's like trying to convince the lawyer that he didn't do it, and the lawyer's like. Uh, and the, then Blake's like, I've had my mind erased once, you know, like maybe they erased the kids' minds and like implanted false memories. And he's like, eh, but they like wouldn't do that. And he's like, just go check it out. <laughs> God damn it. Do your job. We also cut to a scene of uh, a council of some sort discussing Blake and the resistance movement. Yeah. The the reason I think they mentioned like the reason why they're basically sending Blake up to send him to a prison colony now is because he's basically served his purpose. Yes. Yeah. I don't think... At least in the the this subsequent five episodes that I've watched, I don't think this council is really like that important. They kind of set them up as as important people. I don't even remember if they really come back. I do remember that they introduce a a foil rival character to Blake, who's uh, pretty cool. It's pretty neat, I guess. I don't know anything about this show except how it ends. Yeah, I know how it ends. I know, I know I know a couple big spoilers about the show. But, yeah, uh, I know what happens that, at the end of season three, too. Other, other than that, we're, <clears throat> we're going into this blind. That might be something we should have explained when we were explaining what we were doing at the beginning of the episode. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, neither of us has really watched Blake 7 before. Like I said, I've watched up to episode six. Yeah. Anyway, so the lawyer's like... His wife's, like, trying to get him to come to bed so they can do the deed. And he's, like, thinking about Blake. And she's like, why are you thinking about Blake? He's like, I don't know. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's innocent. And they're like, all right, let's go check out the uh, records. Yeah, she's just like, okay, let's let's go to the records. And he's like, wow, you seem remarkably okay with this. And she's like, yeah, you know, whatever. Got to move the plot along. Can't have you thinking about men while we're in bed. <laughs> 
Anyway, they go to information and records, I guess. And the, the guy's just listening to his headphones with his feet up on the desk. And they're like, we need these records now. And he's like, yeah, you're going to have to wait till tomorrow morning. Yeah, presumably really when the... this guy's not on shift. Yeah, it kind of begs the question, why is he even there? <laughs> just there to hold down the fort, you know, make sure nobody messes around with, with the records. I mean, like, I'd say he's a security guard, but like... What he does in, like, two minutes clearly <laughs> indicates that he's actually, like, the guy who works the records. Yeah, but the uh, the lawyer shows him his credentials or something, and he's like, all right, fine. So he activates the computer, and they access the records. And uh, I forget what the records actually show that tips off the lawyer. Well, the lawyer finds out that all the kids went in for, like, a quote-unquote medical exam, like, the day before they did their testimony. And he oh, thought yeah. that was weird because... All the kids went in on the same day to the same <laughs> clinic, the clinic which happens to be specialists in, like, memory. <laughs> he's like, that's kind of weird. Then <laughs> he's like, it's kind of weird that they also wouldn't erase this from them, <laughs> from the records. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, so the lawyer, like, goes to the, I guess the chief security guy's like, hey, can I have, like, a stay of... Because Blake's going to be sent off to, yeah, like, they, another planet. They up the stakes by placing Blake on a prison ship. Yeah, so the lawyer's like, can we have, like, a stay so he can just, like, not go on the next ship? And, like, can I have, like, an extra 24 hours? Because I, th- I think I found some new evidence. And as soon as the guy leaves, the security guard, like, calls the ship. It's like, hey, move up the leaving, like, <laughs> three hours from now. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the ship, Blake is meeting his fellow prisoners. We're introduced to okay. Villa and Jenna. Two uh, main characters. Which one's the pickpocket? Villa. Okay. Yeah, Villa. Villa is a uh, is a uh, a thief. He has a. Uh, I'm I'm taking quotes for the show, so it's quotes I like or ones that I thought were funny or quote unquote cool. I guess. <laughs> yeah, he goes. Other people's property comes to comes naturally to me. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty well, good line, I guess. Yeah, it's better in context. You, know, you sort of have to uh, have to be there, have to watch the episode yourself. Jenna is a smuggler. There's some dialogue earlier in the episode that indicates the Federation has a big smuggling problem. Yeah. <laughs> Jenna's not really helping. Villa reveals that he stole Blake's watch, and Blake's like, can I have my watch back? And he's like, oh, it's just hanging on to it for you. Yeah. Blake wants to uh, incite rebellion and escape. And Villa and Jenna are like, yeah, it's not possible. Guess they eat their words in the next episode. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, kind of like, I guess they kind of wish they did it in this episode, you know, rather than when the ship is in space, but, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> too late <laughs> to go back. So, yeah, the, the, lawyer, back. Right. the lawyer, who actually had a name that I wrote down because he dies later. Oh, yeah, Varian. His name's Varian. We're keeping a, a death count. Like we, we keep an, a death count on our Doctor Who podcast. Uh, we're in the thousands on that. Yeah. I don't think, hopefully we won't get to the thousands on this, considering it's only 52 episodes, but we'll keep a death count. It'll be on the, the website. Varon. That was the lawyer's name. Varon. And his wife's Magia. I don't remember how they pronounced it in the episode, though. But Varon, he's like, all right, so I'm going to go. He, he Blake Blake tells him about like the meeting where everybody got gunned down. And now that Varon's heard about the kids all going to the same clinic the day before the testimony, he thinks maybe that Blake was right about the people getting gunned down too so yeah he, they go and investigate the uh the meeting place or they're going to go investigate <laughs> the meeting place they don't make it they make it to the river lake thing before getting tragically gunned down yeah 
so by sad. By the mole. The mole who also had a name that I don't remember. It's not really important. One of the weird things about this episode is how many characters they introduce that they just kill, especially since they focus on the lawyer and the girlfriend slash wife character for a huge portion of the episode, mm-hmm. only to kill them at the end. Uh, That's Blake 7 for you, I guess. <laughs> Life yeah, just sort is of a meaningless. Sp- <laughs> we all die. Yeah, I mean, just wasn't a very... Because I, I really liked the first half of this episode. You know, I thought it was enjoyable. You know, set up the characters pretty well. Well, set up Blake pretty well, I, I guess. Even though I did kill all the Resistance members. But just the focus on the lawyer and I, just why. Yeah, I mean, it keeps cutting back to Blake and Blake's like, really hoping that the lawyer's going to come through, but then there's an announcement, and it's like, we've moved up the departure to, like, four hours from now, and basically, like, oh, shh, oh, shoot, the lawyer's not going to be able to get it done in time. And that's actually why I think the lawyer goes out to investigate the meeting spot, because he finds out that they moved it up, and he's like, oh, shit, I, I, I can't get more evidence. Because <laughs> apparently if he gets enough evidence, he can get Blake off the ship and, like, yeah. get a mistrial or something, and they can, like, do a new trial. Not to say that they wouldn't just rig the new trial. <laughs> yeah. I just think Blake and soon enough Villa and Jenna are far more interesting characters than anyone else that they decided to focus on, namely the lawyer. Well, they are the main characters of this show, I guess, later on. Yeah, so just kind of weird that they would, you know, focus a big portion of episode one on this, the lawyer. Yeah. Uh, Sort of a strange decision there. It reminds me of, like, some shows that, like, do a pilot episode, but they record it, like, way before the rest of the show, so when people actually really like the pilot and they actually, like, order the show to series, they, like, change all the characters because they recorded the pilot way in advance. Like, NCIS did this, the the backdoor pilot that aired as part of a different TV show, the only character who, like, makes it to the actual show from the backdoor pilot is Gibbs. They, like, replace all the other characters. It's kind of weird because, you know, when you watch the, if you like the pilot of a show or the first episode of a show, typically you like it because of the characters in that episode. <clears throat> yeah. And then, to and then like going st- and changing that yeah. kind of defeats the purpose of a pilot. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. I mean, I guess whatever. So, I mean, overall, I'd say this is kind of a weak first episode. And that's, that's me in hindsight after having watched six episodes, because I think episodes two through six are a lot better than episode one. We actually forgot to mention, sorry for interrupting, we actually forgot to mention how the episode ends, which is the spaceship takes off and Blake, and they go into space and Blake's like, oh shoot, now I'm actually going to the planet. And then they like lock him up because he's like fighting about how the guy's going to come save him. They they like put restraints on him and they launch and that's how it ends. Kind of a low key ending there. Yeah, but I mean, it's enough of a cliffhanger, I think, that you'd like want to come back next week and like, what's going to happen to Blake? Yeah, and the other episodes, based on what I've watched so far, don't really have cliffhangers because they're more just self-contained stories. Mm-hmm. So I think this is the only actual cliffhanger within the first half of the first season, at least. That's interesting. I, I think maybe at least that the first, uh, sorry, the last episode of the season would end on a cliffhanger just because they yeah, want to try to... the last episode of the show ends <laughs> on a cliffhanger. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, well, we're not there yet. <laughs> Give it a year. Yeah, this, I mean, I really actually liked this episode. It, weirdly enough, I know I texted Keon while I was watching it. That weirdly enough, reminded me of a show called Columbo, which is from the 70s and 80s. Columbo was like a detective show that like really started the trend of showing the murderer commit the crime. Is that really a trend? 
Yeah, because pretty much every like crime show now will show you the murderer or the criminal commit the crime before the opening credits. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and like Columbo was the first show to really do that. So it was kind of big because of that. And, and I mean, and it's just a good show. I mean, Columbo is like a really interesting character to follow. He's a pretty funny guy as a detective. And I don't really know why this reminded me of Columbo. I think it was just because Columbo, Columbo as a show was like always kind of like weird and oddball, but like it always contrasted dark with light and just kind of like someone would die and they would just like blow it off. Like, well, he's dead now. I got to investigate the murder. And then this show kind of was just like, it's just, you know, it just kind of killed off like Varon and all those people in the parking garage just completely unceremoniously. Yeah. And I think that just aspect of like everything just happens and like there's not really, uh, really anything you can do about it just reminded me of Columbo, I guess, in a weird kind of roundabout way. Sure. All right. I mean, I can't really explain it. It's, I still think it's weird that I was like watching this, like, man, this really reminds me of Columbo, and now I want to go watch Columbo. <laughs> this just reminded me of Doctor Who, probably because I've only watched two shows from like the seventies: this and Doctor Who. Yeah, it's interesting when you watch. I guess a lot of shows from the seventies and eighties or seventies, you start to notice like a lot of similarities between the, the ways that they were made and the things that they do. Like I've seen Columbo, obviously. I've seen a couple episodes of Black Adder. I mean, Faulty that's, Towers. That's that's not something that's really surprising. You know, TV shows today have sort of a, a way they're made. Mm-hmm. The quality of, of, of that is, uh, you know, debatable. But uh, Yeah, no, it's not yeah. weird. It's There's definitely, like, similarities between shows made at the same time, obviously. When you watch shows made at the same time, you can see the shows are inspired by each other and they take things from each other, and it's, it's not surprising at all. <laughs> It's more difficult to see, I think, like in the present day because you're not looking back on something like, oh, yeah, that's how they did that or that's how they did that. But it still happens. It happens in movies, too. You watch movies from like the same year and you're like, man, these are like pretty similar. Watch Ants and the Bug's Life and you're like, kind of weird that these came out within a couple months of each other. (laughs) Did DreamWorks steal it? don't know even though they got like completely different plots and the only similarity is that answer the main character yeah and the dreamworks one is animated like way worse but you know (laughs) that's just part of the course yeah that's all i have to say about this episode really yeah i don't really have much to say about this episode either partially because it's the first episode and i don't really know what to say about it it actually sort of leads into episode two they almost feel like it almost feels like it was supposed to just be one full episode but it was far too long and they just split split it in half Based on what happens at the end of episode two. Yeah, that's something that I'll have to see next week because I haven't watched episode two yet. Watch it this week. But yeah, I just don't have a larger context of the show yet to say anything about like how the episode works. I mean, it sets the up the, the characters are set up pretty well. You know, they sort of, they actually, surprisingly, they actually expand their characters a lot and give them more backstory and uh, development within the first couple of episodes. So hopefully that keeps up. But uh, yeah, they set them up well here. I guess. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'm interested to see about Blake, Villa, and... Jenna. Jenna. They haven't introduced the best character yet, Gan, but, uh... Gan? <laughs> so what are all the characters' names? Because these all sound... <laughs> it was Blake, Villa, Jenna, and Gan. Uh, Zen is their computer. And, um... Avon, he's, uh... He's, he's not the rival-slash-foil guy I was talking about before, but he is sort of a... a He's sort of a rival to Blake, you know. He wants he wants to be in charge, basically. But uh, 
And there's a uh, Callie. All right, cool. Yeah. I guess I'll see over the next couple of weeks the coup come together. I, I read somewhere that they were like, Blake 7 was clearly inspired by Magnificent 7. I'm like, I don't know if that was true. <laughs> mm, I mean, they all have different, like, roles. <laughs> the most general possible <laughs> connection. The most tenuous of threads. Well, I mean, because Blake brings them all together just like whatever the main character in Magnificent 7 was called. Under the, the banner of rebellion. All right, well, I mean, I guess we'll see in the coming weeks. I'm excited to see more of this show. Yeah, it's a, it's a good show. It's a good show. Pretty good sets. Dudley Simpson's music is good. Acting is pretty good. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to this journey. Definitely looking forward to it a lot more than when we started Doctor <laughs> Who. And <it> started, <laughs> Doctor Who started kind of ropey in the beginning. So I guess that kind of wraps up episode one of Zenith. You can... Email us at thedoctor at decadentvegetable.com. Questions, comments, concerns, anger, ants, love letters, your thoughts and hopes for this podcast moving forward. We'd love to hear them, really. If you have suggestions for this podcast moving forward, definitely email us. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play, both at Zenith. And you can find us on YouTube at Decadent Vegetable by this point. We've consolidated our YouTube videos to one channel just because it's it's easier that way so we've consolidated it to a decorative vegetable channel which if you're subscribed to the trust your doctor one it's the same channel just renamed <clears throat> and leave a rating if you like the show check us out on facebook trust your doctor like us on facebook also check us out on twitter at tyd podcast and follow us on twitter um we use the same accounts we've consolidated our social media stuff too so we're using the same accounts that we use for uh, our doctor who podcast so that's why uh, their names trust your doctor yeah and uh next time we're watching spacefall but until then the end <laughs>